I don't bring to the world some kind of scripted message. It's about a life message. And really think about the believer. Everyone was once in a kingdom of darkness. We couldn't find our way either. And now we've stepped out into a kingdom of light. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and our guest this week is a woman who, although blind, chooses to see life beyond her own limitations. You'll meet Gail McWilliams today on First Person. But just before you hear the interview with Gail, I hope you'll take note of our website, which always provides you with additional details of each week's guests, including specific links to their own websites and ministries. Visit FirstPersonInterview.com for that expanded information. We also provide an archive of all the interviews you hear on First Person, and there's a schedule of upcoming broadcasts so you can plan ahead to listen. Look us up online at FirstPersonInterview.com. Well, even though she is visually impaired, Gail McWilliams inspires others to see beyond. She has an instinctive ability to capture and lift the spirits of people from all walks of life and points people to Christ as their source of strength to realize dreams they once thought impossible. Recently, Gail joined me on the phone from Dallas to tell me her story of trials and triumphs. When I was a young girl, I was told I would probably never have any children. And my husband and I married 34 years ago on the most romantic day of the year, April 15th, income tax day. (laughs) And God gifted us with five incredible children, four daughters and then a son. Hmm. And what I tell people is that doctors are usually just practicing medicine. Sometimes they don't get it right. Our five children are a gift, but in the course of having our children, I gradually lost my eyesight with each of our children. Hmm. Though my eyesight is impaired, I tell people that in my darkest hour, vision was birthed. And when you have vision, you can see in the darkest places of life. Well, I want to talk to you more about that specifically, but what about this decision to go ahead and have children? I mean, you knew that 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 was going to be the outcome most likely then, huh? Well, my husband and I had a, a tension that happened in our lives that really made us solidify what is it that we wanted in our marriage. We had read that children were gifts from the Lord, that children are like arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior, and we were focused on legacy. And one of the greatest things I wanted to do with my life, Wayne, was to be a mother. I knew it was challenging, but I had no idea, really, that with each child I would lose more and more. And in the middle of having our children, it was a bittersweet moment because we not only fought for life, And we couldn't just be joyful because we had the kids, but we also had to struggle with losing. So here we were gaining and losing at the same time. Mm -hmm. Here I was boasting in a God who could do the impossible, and it looked like I was losing at every turn in the road. Mm -hmm. Your husband's Tony, right? Yes, sir. And I know you had Tony's support. How did others around you react to your decision? (laughs) I think we were the only couple that when we said, guess what, we're having another baby, And people would begin to cry and get real quiet. Mm. It was really something that we had to walk alone with, except for a great medical team. And they worked with us. We told them that we chose life. But even the medical team didn't know that this would be the continuing pattern. They thought it had just happened with our first child. Mm. But when I was carrying our second daughter, that's when the doctor saw that there was indeed a pattern that was happening. And the doctor came in that day when I was three and a half months pregnant, and he said, You have to choose today between your baby or your eyes. Oh, boy. I said, the choice is made. I choose my baby. 
the doctor stood up, slammed shut my folder, and said, what a foolish decision. And then he left the room. And Wayne, I have to tell you that so far of our five children, we only have one married daughter, and that was the daughter I carried that day. (laughs) And she and her husband have given to us two incredible grandsons. And I tell people what we must have is a vision for the generations yet to come. Hmm. Tell me more about your family today than you have. You have these five, right? Yes, sir. And and tell me about their lives today so we get an idea of, you know, you have been rewarded for your obedience to the Lord, but uh, tell us what the result has been. Well, all five of our children are involved not only in ministry, but they have their own careers and lives. Our oldest is 32, and our youngest just turned 16. So our youngest just got his driver's license. You know, that's unnerving. <laughs> yeah. But it never bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> it gives you another, our, another person to drive you, right? <laughs> indeed. And our, our uh, youngest daughter is on her way to Germany to work with a ministry there. Two of our daughters are very involved with music. And then we have another daughter who is just uh, excellent at serving people in different ministries and then when we all do group together, the children sing with me as well on the road, so we still do special events together. I'm sure you wouldn't say this, but you paid a price to have those children. And when you look at them today, what goes through your heart and mind today, Gail? I would do it again in a heartbeat. You know, Wayne, it's interesting. Though I have several published books, I speak around the nation and internationally. Our story has been catapulted around the globe. That was not the reason I was having children. I knew that family was a gift. Working together has been a challenge, but it's also been a gift. Seeing life with vision as opposed to just reacting to what you see with the natural eye, we've learned so much together. When I look at my children, and especially when those little grand boys come up, hug my knee because they're so short, (laughs) and call me Nona, it validates the decision that from generation to generation, we will tell how good God has been. But I know it hasn't been easy. It can't be easy to lose your sight. What Do you have any vision at all, Gail? Vision or eyesight, Wayne? <laughs> do you have a good catch? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you see, I'm learning, right? Right. Well, what's, my what's, the, what's the state of your eyesight? <laughs> my eyesight is blurry. I don't see details. And believe it or not, they won't let me drive anymore. Oh, what's wrong with them? But I'm living in Dallas, Texas, where it seems to me there's a lot of blind people driving. (laughs) Crazy drivers. Have there been obstacles? Absolutely. Uh, In fact, Wayne, I've walked out with the wrong man. I've gotten in the wrong car before. No way. I've corrected the wrong children. The the, the car I can understand, the wrong man. Uh. (laughs) One time my husband was speaking in Dallas, and we have this incredible, great... uh, lifestyle where I tell Tony, if you'll just offer me your arm, you'll look like a gentleman and I'll look like your lady. Mm -hmm. Unless you walk me into a wall and you'll (laughs) look like a jerk and I'll look blind. (laughs) And so one day after he was finished speaking, we were walking down the aisle and when we got to the end of the aisle of this long auditorium, my husband moved to the right of the aisle to greet people and I stepped over to the left of the aisle and I was talking with people. And after some time, I, I put my hand back on his arm and began to walk out of the building just as the usher said to me, so, do you want to go home with your husband or the man you're holding on to? <laughs> well, you have such a great sense of humor about it, Gail. Uh, I guess that's that's uh, part of the secret, isn't it? You know what? There was a day, Wayne, and I must tell you, candidly, it has been difficult. 
But I tell people when you choose to look past the horizon, the sky's the limit. It's not about focusing on the storm, and a storm it has been. The challenges and the tears, I can't tell you what it's like not to be able to see the faces clearly of your children Mm. or your grandchildren or even my husband. And yet I tell people he's still the young man I married 34 years ago. (laughs) He hasn't changed, huh? It's about making a choice. Someone said to me, how can you have so much joy and you can't see? I said, how can you see and have no joy? It must be about a choice. And I chose a long time ago to choose his grace in the middle of this delay, this, this tension of waiting for his promises to be fulfilled, waiting for something that I don't have, and instead focusing on what I do have for this hour. By the way, Wayne, you might want to know this. I'm a woman of hope. I carry my car keys in my purse. (laughs) Do you really? Because hope's always expectant. Hope will put you on your tippy toes looking over the fence that seems like it's at eye level in life. Hope will put you on your tippy toes to say, yes, there's more. But as I understand it, when you speak, you don't speak just to the person that we might consider disabled. You speak to all of us, don't you? Yes. In fact, I'll tell you who's disabled. It's the world that's blind. They fail to see their own potential. They fail to see the treasures of their own home. And they fail to see that they've been strategically positioned for this hour. I talked the other day to leaders, and I talked to them about the disabled leader. No vision. When you live life based only on what you see, that's disability. And to those of us who are believers, there's no dis in any disability because he's able. He can do the impossible. And when you've been asking me about the challenges, yes, they've been real. I remember a defining moment one day when I didn't think I could go on. Our children were younger. My husband had gone to the office that day. The children were on their way to school. And I went into our bedroom, and I locked the door. I laid on the floor with my head buried in the carpet, and I cried for hours, Wayne. I didn't know how I could face another day. I was disappointed, angry, frustrated, and fearful. And after I had cried for hours, and I stood up in the middle of the room, I remembered Psalms 56 that said, Lord, you saw me when I was tossing and turning in the night, and every tear I've ever cried you kept in your bottle. But when I called on the name of the Lord, the tide was turned and all my enemies began to flee for this one thing I know, you are for me. And it was at that moment that I said, Lord, if this is what I'm facing for this moment, then I ask you for your grace. See, my focus is about a life assignment. I'm an ambassador of hope, even in the middle of all that has happened to me. We'll talk more with Gail McWilliams, the author of Seen Beyond, coming up today on First Person. Next time, a California businessman and his family are called of God to serve in Ethiopia. We came to the place where we were just seeing these children being rescued, and although it was, it was incredibly hard for us, that right there was the place where really God was just working in our hearts and finding us and, and teaching us that He was more than enough through all of this. Levi Benkirk tells the story of building new families from the widows and orphans of Ethiopia next time on First Person.
My guest today on First Person is Gail McWilliams. Gail is a speaker, an author. Uh, Gail, you have sung uh, many times during your, during your career as well. I, I remember playing some of your records uh, a few years ago now, but uh, <laughs> you're still singing and, you're, and your family likes to sing, don't they? Yes, we do. But several of our children have gone on now with their own solo careers and their worship leaders, and it's just exciting. You know, when you have children, when the scriptures say that children are like arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior, it's about raising your children, you know, giving to them what you think they'll need, and then praying that God will fill in the gap of what they actually need. But in the middle of the tension of life, it's the great archer that pulls back on the bow and releases those arrows. And with our children, he's releasing our children around the globe, and it's exciting. Hmm. Well, we don't have the opportunity to talk to any of the kids today on the program, but what do you think they would say if, they, if maybe they have been asked this question, but what have they learned from you as a mom whose eyesight has been impaired? Your vision certainly isn't, but your eyesight has been impaired. What would they say they've learned that they may not have learned otherwise? Well, one thing they've learned is to appreciate life because they know it's a gift. I tell my children, you were born on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose, to impact his purposes in your generation. And just yesterday, I was having a conversation with two of our daughters about this very thing that you're asking me about. And I asked them, what has been the greatest challenge? Of course, they wish I could see. But what they think is the greatest challenge is living in a world that seems blinded or a world that doesn't know how to work together or doesn't have a strong work ethic. My children, by nature, have had to become independent. Our children have learned to do laundry. We've learned to do things by to, not only together but on our own, uh, and we just don't give up. We, we watch people who it seems like they live for all their excuses, and we made a decision to live on the Word of God that would give us strength in the middle of some of our darkest hours. Uh, tell me, you've got so many of these stories, but you've got to tell just a couple of more of what it's like uh, to live the way that you live and depend on people to kind of get you around to drive you, in, in your case, even though you carry your car keys with you. But uh, tell, tell me some more of what life is like for you, Gail. Well, first of all, my dependency is on the Lord himself, who is the life giver. So I never feel like I'm dependent on other people. I'm, I'm very focused on you know, what I get to do with my life. I, if I focus only on what I don't have, I could be so sad and depressed, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't be interviewing me right now. Hmm. See, I don't bring to the world some kind of scripted message. It's about a life message. It's about the change. And really, think about the believer. Everyone was once in a kingdom of darkness. We couldn't find our way either. Yeah. And now we've stepped out into a kingdom of light. Yeah, we've been transferred, he, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Where he's, he's the light. And so those are the reasons why I can have joy. And what I'm telling you right now, and maybe even the audience as they're listening, I understand that you're facing some dark hours. People who have gone through either bankruptcy or divorce or heartache, disappointment or delays, I get that. But in the middle of life, you get one opportunity. What can you do with your life that you still have? And that's why I love the message of hope, because hope always sees. You asked me earlier about valuing life. Not long ago, I was asked to speak for a convention, and I was the keynote closing speaker. When I was all finished speaking, there was a fellow speaker that came by and said, come on, you're coming with me. And I said, where are we going? As we were walking briskly down the corridor of this beautiful hotel. And they said, well, down in the restaurant, there's a group of soldiers on their way to Iraq, and you're going to speak to them. I asked, do we have permission? And they just said, 
don't you get it? They might not be coming back. I said, well, yes, I get that. I just wanted to know if we had permission. And they said, it'll be fine. So I thought to myself, well, if anyone questions me, I'll just say, oh, I'm sorry, I lost my eyesight. I thought this was the convention. (laughs) When I walked into the restaurant, sure enough, there were soldiers all around the room. And so my friend cleared her throat and said, "Uh, this is Gail McWilliam. She has something to share with each of you before you leave. So I moved up closely to a soldier, and I put my hand on his shoulder. And I just said to the group, guys, where are you headed? They told me, and I said, what's your greatest challenge? And they said, leaving home, leaving our loved ones. And I told them, I said, I'm a soldier on a battlefield of another kind. I lost my eyesight gradually having our children. I understand that life costs something. And then I said to them, gentlemen, thank you for giving your life to not only protect us, but to protect our interests. And then I asked if I could pray for them and then spoke the blessing over them that the Lord would go with them. And then I told them as I looked around the room when we were finished praying, I said, guys, from my view, I see generals all around the room. I saluted them and said, come home safe. See, Wayne, a lot of people would have thought that my keynote position was the event for the hour. Mm -hmm. No, the event for that hour was to encourage other men on the battlefield. And I think that's who we're talking to today. All of mankind faces a battlefield of some kind. If you have a vision to see beyond what it is that you don't think you have, but to have a vision and a clear focus on the God who will provide for you, who not only goes before you, walks beside you, and the glory of the Lord is your rear guard, that's what makes the difference. Mm. And Gail, I know that you cannot separate the hope that you talk about from the person of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus to you? Well, first of all, Jesus forgave me of all of my sins. I don't fight to a victory. I fight from a victory. Everything I have need of was accomplished at the cross. It was the day of the great exchange. When I had come to the end of myself and given my life back to Jesus Christ. That's what's interesting. I was just asked recently on an interview, Gail, was it hard to give up your life for your children? And I said, no, absolutely not, because I had already given my life away. I gave it to the Savior, who not only has forgiven my sins as far as the East is from the West, but he's redeemed it. He's renewed it. When I tell people when I face a perfect storm, sometimes the only way to get through a storm is to actually tie yourself to the mast so that you're not thrown overboard. And for me personally, I've tied myself to Jesus Christ, who is my hope. He makes all the difference in the world. Whether I'm speaking for a faith-based organization or speaking for corporations, it's about life. It's about purpose. It's about choosing to make a difference and to impact our generation. And in the middle of all of it, I've also chosen a sense of humor. Yeah, Uh, you sure have. (laughs) I I laugh when I uh, read your blog or hear your little radio program that you've started doing now or uh, hear you speak, Gail. I I know how much Tony means to you, your, your loving husband, how much your family means to you, and, of course, the Lord. Who else has come along to really encourage you and give you perspective in life? Well, now, you can't edit this out if I tell you. Okay. But you, Wayne Shepherd. And many voices like yours, think about it. If you can't see, radio becomes an incredible gift. And there have been many hours, especially when you've had some of your shows back in the Midwest, 
There have been many late hours when I would turn on the radio and I would hear your comforting voice and other voices like yours. I would hear music that would speak to me, that would give me hope to not give up. And I am grateful for your voice. I'm grateful for radio, and yes, I'm so excited. Now I'm going to have the opportunity to have a radio feature myself already across the nation. I can't wait. (laughs) And we get the opportunity to be voices in other people's lives. And when you mentioned my husband, it's interesting. uh, In my first book, Seeing Beyond, Zig Ziglar did a forward to it. And in fact, he was the one that encouraged me to tell my story to the world. I couldn't believe that people would want to hear it, and now he has proven right, and I can't believe what God has done with our story. Yeah. Well, Gail, uh, you have such a tremendous sense of humor. You, you find uh, stories all along the way as you uh, go about life. I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to close today with just asking you a couple more of those. Uh, they're so encouraging. <laughs> the other day I was traveling to a speaking engagement, Wayne, and we were standing in the airport. I had turned to talk to my husband, and I was just talking away not knowing that he had walked over to the ticket counter (laughs) to make sure our reservations were correct. (laughs) Finally, a gentleman on the other side of me, he turned to me and he said, Ma'am, who are you talking to? (laughs) Well, finally, thinking fast on my feet, I turned to him and smiled real big and said, Oh, I speak for a living. I'm just practicing. (laughs) I guess the question we need to ask our audience today is, What are you practicing in your dead space? Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever you practice has everything to do with your destiny. And that's what I love to do. I love to live. I love to encourage people. And Wayne Shepherd, I've got to tell you, do the people know that you're my new announcer on my radio feature? <laughs> yep, it's my privilege to do that. I'm excited about that. Gail, uh, no doubt someone is listening who's not feeling all that positive today, or maybe life circumstances have really weighed them down uh, this week or today or this year, I don't know, this decade. But to talk to that person. Look that person in the eye and picture them and, and minister that hope from, of Christ that you have so securely in your heart. This is the best thing that I have to offer you Wayne and the audience that's listening. See, I see the destiny and the potential of your life. Though you've had a setback, get back up. There's a race to be run. He's not only there with you, but he's promised that he will provide for you all that you need. And may I tell you in this hour, may you be blessed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. And may he do more than you can ever see with your eyes. But may you believe in your heart that you're not alone today. That's why we've come to encourage you. Now, run your race and live life. Gail McWilliams' book is titled Seen Beyond, and her radio show just went on the air this month. You can find out much more about both when you visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Also, pass the link to today's show on to others who may not have been listening. All of our programs are archived for online listening at firstpersoninterview.com. And if you'd like to contact us about today's conversation, that's why we have a Facebook page for feedback. You'll find us at facebook.com forward slash firstpersoninterview. Well, now that we've begun the fall season, I'm excited about the lineup of guests who will be joining us in the weeks and months ahead. Next week, we'll talk with a man who was so moved by the plight of children in Ethiopia that his family moved there to help. Levi Benkirk joins us next week on First Person. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us right here next week at this same time for First Person.